we left off with Jesus in the garden. He was in the garden and the Roman soldiers and temple guards come and there's a mob of about 200 Roman soldiers that come and came to take Jesus. And Peter does something interesting for, because as far as Peter was concerned, let, let the war begin. And Peter takes out a sword and when he takes out the sword, he lops off the ear of one of the temple servants and uh, he, because he had to believe, it's time, Jesus. It's time to start the revolution. It's time. I'm ready to lead out front. It's time to start the revolution. And it's an interesting moment because he's, to himself, he's ready to die with Jesus. He had told Jesus, I'm going to die with you. And Jesus is going to tell him, no, I'm not really. Uh, but in John 13, uh, 37, but why, why can't I come now, Lord? He asks, I am ready to die for you. And in verse 38, die for me. No, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And I know Peter's thinking, not a chance. Not a chance. Let's bring it. That's why I have this sword. Let's go do this thing. And so all of a sudden, we're at the uh, high priest's house, and Peter gets access uh, into the courtyard of the high priest's house. And you know what he does. It's, it's in John 18, 15. Simon Peter followed along behind, as did the other disciples. The, uh, that other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the courtyard with, G with Jesus. Now, we believe every time this guy refers to that other, it's the author, John. John came from a wealthy home. They were fish uh, salesman, and they owned a company, and, and the thought is that people recognized John, the son of the owner, because he delivered the fish, and so John gets to go in, but verse 16, Peter stood outside the gate. Then the other disciples spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. So the spe the, we speculate that, hey, I know him. Let him in the gate. So, But there's an interesting thing. There's high security here. Not sure exactly what's going to happen, especially after Palm Sunday were hundreds of thousands of people because of the time of year. People from all over that area of the world had come in to do the Passover. And so the, the gates locked, the gates closed. And, uh, and again, we don't know for sure it was John. Some pe people believe it was Joseph of Arimathea who was part of the, the leader, leadership of the temple. We don't know. But Peter walks in, and as he walked past the woman, um, she thought she recognized him. And it says in verse 17, the woman asked Peter, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And his response, no, he said, I'm not. So what happened? He's going to do this three times. From taking out his sword, let the revolution begin to, no, oh, no, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of his. I don't know. Verse 18 goes on to say, the guards and the household servants were standing around the charcoal fire they had, they had made because it was cold, and Peter stood there with them, warming himself, warming himself. And they're going to ask again. They asked him, aren't you, in, in verse 25. Meanwhile, he's, he was standing by the fire. They, the guards, aren't you one of his disciples? I am not. Now, if you showed up for Palm Sunday, as hundreds of thousands have did, it appears that Peter was always standing next to Jesus. So you're looking at Jesus, and you're looking at Peter, and, you're, and you, who is that that's always next to him? But I guess the question for us all to ask, why do you think Peter, is, in, in a matter of hours, has gone from, I'm ready to die with you, here's my sword, to I don't even know him? I, I mean, you, you want to ask Peter in heaven, what 
happened in eight hours. But I get in my head the way God ought to do something, and he doesn't do it that way. And, I mean, you know all the sure enough stories. I got in my head that God ought to give us that, that 27 acres on uh, west of I-70, way west of I-75 that's now the academic village out in Pembroke Pines, west of Pembroke Pines. And I, I, we went after it and after it and, and, and tried to buy it, and the Broward County Schools bought it out from under us. And I, went, I drove all the way to Naples and back babbling to God. This is so obvious, Lord. And I came back, and we had a rendering on the wall at Sheridan House, not as big as one of those, but as half as big, along a, along a wall of all the things that we wanted and all the things that we needed, and we needed a lot of land. And I was told we needed a minimum of 40. I gave up on the 40. 27 acres seems good to me. And uh, I, I get this thing from Rick Hornsby, who, who died in the spring, by the way. Uh, there's 60 acres on the corner of 595 and Flamingo. And I asked him, how much are they asking? And he said, they're asking half a million an acre. Let's go make an offer. And I'm looking at him. And so we go make an offer of half a million an acre. Uh, but we didn't offer half a million. We offered 50,000 an acre, not 500,000 an acre. And I can't even look at the guy across his desk. He was the, he was the, the vitamin king. And he was going to build a factory there for vitamins for South America. And he realized those million-dollar homes on the other side aren't going to let him build a factory. And so he countered our $50,000 with 53000 Yeah, I was like that for an hour. And I go, wow. And I said, well, take it. And we go to lunch from there, and I'm sitting with three guys who are business guys. I'm not a business person. I got I to gotta go to business people to ask questions. And I said, what did we just do? We just committed for $3.1 million. And uh, Dan Smith asked, well, how much does Sheridan House have? I said, we have $10,000. This was like the stupidest thing we've ever done. The board voted yes. And uh, you know how sometimes you, you act like you're all in. I'm all in. I know Jesus is going to do this. I'm all in. And Jesus is laughing at me because in my heart I'm thinking, I am so sorry we've done this. This is too much for you. And I get a call the next morning because one of the board members went back and called his pastor. And I get a call from Bob Coy saying we're in for two acres. And then, bless his heart, Larry Thompson calls because Sam Forrester talked to him. And he calls about 9 o'clock as I'm leaving Coy's house after breakfast. And he says, we want to be the first. We want First Baptist to be the first. We're in for an acre. And I'm real quiet. And Larry says, we're not the first, are we? And I said, no. He says, please tell me it's not Calvary Chapel. <laughs> and just watching Christ, Christ Church United Methodists and everybody weighing in for an acre. And, and bless their hearts, Focus on the Family came to visit and asked, how, how did you get these churches? I said, I didn't get these churches to do anything. I don't know how this happened. It's certainly not the way I would have thought. I think there are times we have these preconceived ideas of the way Jesus ought to do something in our life or around our life. And when he doesn't, and, and we see, I mean, he's seeing his Lord beaten. And were you not listening? Jesus told him over and over, I've come to die for you. Yo, no, I will be beaten and hung up. I've come to die for you. I mean, we have to ask this of ourselves, number one on our outline. Why even today do Christians deny that they follow Christ? Why don't we speak up? Why don't we speak up? Why even today? Yeah. Meanwhile, Simon was standing there. Simon Peter was standing by the fire. They asked him again, aren't you one of his disciples? I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I am, but I'm not, but I am, but I'm not. What are you doing, Lord? We need to take this back. We need to take Israel back. 
oh no, you guys haven't been listening. And I think sometimes we treat Jesus like he's a genie in a bottle. If I rub it right, and, and Lord, I really, I mean, we would never say this out loud, but I gotta tell you, Lord, if you just listen to me, things would be a lot better. I mean, I know the plan I have for this country. I know the plan I have for this. I know the plan. If you, Bob, I don't need your help. Verse 26 goes on to say, but one of the household servants of the high priest, a relative of the man who, whose ear Jesus cut off, asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Yeah, again, verse 27 Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. This little gift, this little gift is ridiculous. Before the rooster crows. So we had our back-to-school backpack, and a lot of you guys helped with that in August, and uh, hundreds of moms. Um, and can I say I'm very grateful to Jimmy Flanagan because he keeps a barrel in all his restaurants uh, all the Flanagan's restaurants for two weeks to collect school supplies uh, for us. And so we did it on a Saturday, and we get a call on a Monday, and we get the call on a Monday. It's a mom saying, I'm so sorry, I, I couldn't come Saturday. My, I had my gallbladder taken out on Thursday. Um, are there any backpacks left? And Amy says, yes, there are. What, uh, tell me about your child. Well, she's five years old. And Amy says, does she have a favorite color? And she says to Amy, yes, she loves pink and purple. And then she says, I feel bad asking this, but do you have any with unicorns on it? And some of you saw this story on the internet. And, and Amy says, no, we have no backpacks with any, anything other than colors. And so she says, okay, I'm so grateful. I'll be there at 5 o'clock after work. So at about 3 o'clock, a lady walks in and says, I'm so sorry I didn't bring these on Thursday, but we had a family situation. Is it too late to bring a backpack? And Amy looks at it. One of them is a pink and purple backpack with a unicorn on it. Oof. The mom shows up with her little girl, and we've got it positioned, so it's the first thing she sees. And the little girl and her mom burst into tears. There's a couple waiting to talk to me, and she's got cancer, and she's sitting on the couch. And she hears Amy tell the story. This just arrived. In fact, to the mom, if you'd have come on time, you probably wouldn't have gotten it. Someone else would have gotten it before you. And if the lady who thought she was late had given it Thursday, you probably wouldn't have gotten it. This was God giving you a unicorn backpack. And this lady with cancer is sobbing. And I come into the lobby to meet with the lady. I said, let's go back to my office. Are you okay? She said, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I need to meet with you. She said, if Jesus cares about a unicorn backpack for this little five-year-old, I know he's got me. He's got you. I mean, can I just say in two words, how amazing are you? How dumb is a unicorn backpack at the exact time when this husband and wife are there and she's got stage four and, and you got this. So I need to trust you and lean not to my own understanding and in all my ways acknowledge you because you will direct my path. Even when I can't see your hand. Yeah. 
Luke 22, 59, because Luke goes a little further. About an hour later, someone insisted, this must be one of Jesus' disciples because he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And as soon as he said these words, the rooster crowed. Oh, you knew. And you love me anyway. You knew and you love me anyway. At that moment, because Peter's outside in the courtyard, the doors are opened into, into Caiaphas' house. At that moment, verse 61 in Luke says, at that moment the Lord turned and looked out. Wow. At Peter. Then Peter remembered that the, what the Lord had said, quote, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. Yeah. In Matthew, he goes further. I don't even know the man, Peter says. And Peter says, I swear by God I don't know the man. I swear. Yeah, and in Mark, and immediately the rooster crows, uh, the rooster crowed the second time suddenly. Jesus' words flash through Peter's mind before the rooster crows. You will deny me three times. And he broke down and cried. And you love me anyway? You know everything? And you love me anyway? And you love me anyway? Are we kidding? Yeah, this little unicorn backpack called a rooster. I think sometimes we get so focused on our agenda, our stuff, our destination, that we miss the roosters all around us. We miss the little. And to be honest with you, I think if that woman with cancer hadn't have said something to me, I might have missed the unicorn backpack. I just kind of walked out there and I, I saw everybody crying and Amy's crying. Amy runs our single mom program. And uh, Amy came to me later and explained the whole dynamic, but she explained it in front of that mom also, that woman and the mom. Everybody's crying. I'm, I'm not really a crier, so I'm just kind of standing there wondering what's going on here. Uh, did we break something or what? And, and just, oh, how? And for a five-year-old, a unicorn backpack. He's got you. He's got you. He's got you. Yeah, number two, faith is easier when life takes no unexpected radical turns. It's just easier. Yeah, something changed. And what changed is this is not what Peter expected. I sure didn't expect this. I sure thought that, Lord, why do you think I carry a sword? I thought we're going to war. I don't really need you. And this is a hard part, I think, for us, especially Western culture males. Don't you need me, Lord? Don't you need me to be doing my thing? Don't you need me to be active? Don't you need me to be doing this, 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 and this, sharing? Don't you need me? And probably one of the, and you've heard this story, you've heard all my stories, but probably one of the most amazing moments for me is showing up at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church when they went from PCUSA to PCA, from the more liberal to the more conservative, and they wanted me to do the weekend between the walkway, and I showed up, and they asked me, uh, would you do an altar call? We've never had an altar call. And I showed up, and everything, everything happens in this, everything. I put my sermon here, my Bible studies in here, and I come do it, and I show up, and it's my time to go up, get up and teach. I opened up my notebook. I forgot my, to put my sermon in here. Oh, yeah, and I'm very note-driven. And so I'm in there, and I'm, I'm using my Bible for a change, and, and reading a passage and talking about passages and reading a passage. It makes absolutely no sense. And instead of a 30-minute sermon, it's about 20. 
uh, and I'm looking at my watch. I just want out of here. I'm so embarrassed, and this is such a nightmare. And I know they're waiting for an altar call, and the elders are going to come. And I give an altar call, knowing no one's coming, and the place is flooded down front. And they were having a big banquet afterwards. And I finished the sermon, and instead of, they wanted me to come to the banquet. Instead of coming to the banquet, I got in my car and left. I, I was just humiliated. And Fred Hunter, it was the, Fred Hunter Funeral Homes, Fred Hunter was the chairman of the elders, and he called me and said, where are you? And I said, Fred, I just had to leave, I'm sorry. I said, I forgot my sermon. And he said, well, I gotta admit, it was different what you did. <laughs> but then he said it, look what God did. I guess he wanted you out of the way. Absolutely. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. He permits us. It's like a three-year-old named Roby pushing a Fisher-Price lawnmower behind me. I'm cutting the grass. He's pushing his little plastic lawnmower behind me as I'm cutting the grass. I have a picture of it uh, back at home. And we come in, and Rosemary asks Roby, what did he do? Daddy and I cut the grass. He didn't cut squat. I don't do squat. You don't do squat. He doesn't need us. Yeah. We tend, number three again, we tend to trust in our own preconceived plans and explanations with all our heart and ask God to bless them. Preconceived plans and explanations. I, I, I know how you need to do this, Lord. I know what you need to do. No, you don't, Bob. It's the dad. And probably one of my three favorite passages in the Bible, Mark chapter 9. And Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And when he comes down, he sees all these people around his disciples and the Pharisees making fun of him. And there's a dad with a little boy. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked his father. And he, the father replied, since he was very small, the evil spirit often makes him fall into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us. Help us. Do something if you can. The incredulous response of Jesus in verse 23, what, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And here it is. The father instantly replied, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. Help me not to doubt. He is the eye surgeon. Your father is the eye surgeon. He created your eyeballs. He's not surprised at this. And the beauty of you, Hezekiah, you can't stop talking about Jesus. He can Here's the hard part. I trust you and will love you either way. I know you have a plan. Some would say what a cop-out that was rather than just claiming a healing. No, it's bigger than that. I trust you either way, Lord. I trust you either way. Can? Yes. And the beauty of you is you can't keep your mouth shut for Jesus. That's awesome. I, 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 amazing. Number four in your outline, Peter finally totally believed. He believed, letter A, Peter believed Jesus is God. He finally went on to believe Jesus is God, if I can, because Peter's going to stand on a corner preaching, first sermon, 
3,000 plus come to Christ that day? This fisherman person? Letter B, Peter believed Jesus knows what he's doing. He know, you know what you're doing, Lord. So I'll trust you with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. Letter C, Peter believed that he now had a personal relationship, personal relationship with Almighty God because of Jesus' death on the cross. I mean, oh, I get it. And the cool thing is, and how some people just miss this, when the temple drapes that were around the Holy of Holies, I believe very thick drapes, and Daniel, didn't you discover they were 18 feet? How much? 30 feet high? Yeah, he checks all the facts. It's disgusting, actually. Another lawyer who has to check my facts. And he's 30 feet high. And for them to rip, and they said ripped open from top to bottom, I mean, if you walked in and saw it's ripped, it's ripped. To say top to bottom, somebody had to be standing there. Oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, we don't need this anymore. We don't need to place the, the Holy of Holies to sacrifice blood. The blood's done. It's Jesus. And watching Peter get it and use his Peter-esque to go for broke. To go for broke. And he will go on to be martyred. And bottom line, legend tells us that he was crucified upside down. And legend tells us he said, no, 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 don't crucify me like Jesus. Crucify me upside down. Really? I think I'd be saying, no, 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 don't crucify me. Yeah, I got it. Personal relationship, I'm going to be with Jesus. Letter D, Peter believed God was and is in charge, and nothing is beyond his power. He was and is, I am. Yeah, to go from, in Mark 14, 71, I swear by God I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed. The rooster crowed a second time. Yeah. And Jesus remembered, oh, you know. God allowed Peter to suffer from his own, ind own independence so he could learn to be totally dependent upon God for direction. What do you want me to do today, Lord? What do you want me to do here? How do you want me to speak up? Who do you want me to bless? What do you want me to give? Number five, God will allow you the lesson of independence to teach you the incredible power you have when you are totally dependent upon him. The more dependent you are on God, the more independent you are, fear of circumstances. It's so interesting at Sheridan House to watch people come out of the business world and come to work at Sheridan House. It's, it's, it's interesting to watch people come out of the business world and come on the board, but it's even better to watch them come out of the business world. And we like to find people who are, are successful at what they do in the business world to come in and help us do the business side of sharing because I don't know, squat about business. And watching Don King, King <coughs> come from being the CFO at Calvary Chapel, and I called Don King and said, how many people does Calvary Chapel have in its finance department? He was the CFO of Calvary. And he said, we have about 30. Why? I said, well, I have one and a half, and my one is retiring. Um, is there somebody under you that can, you can let us talk to about coming here and running the business side? And King says, what about me? And I said, whoa, I got to go talk to Doug. Doug's like a son. I can't 
do this right like this. And so I went and talked to Doug. For about six months, Doug called me the poacher. And uh, so King comes over right a month before uh, Hurricane Irma hit. And when Hurricane Irma hit, uh, a lot of our moms, our single moms, are waitresses while they're doing college. They're doing college, they're doing waiting on tables, and restaurants closed down for a couple of weeks, so they couldn't make the rent. So, you know, we're paying rent and rent and rent and rent and rent and rent. And he comes down the hall and says, how much more are you going to do? We have payroll on Friday. And I said, we can't let them live in their cars. We can't let them live in their cars. Well, how much more? I said, we're going to do it till we're done. Out. And he looked at me and turned and walked away. And that was about 10 o'clock in the morning. And we're walking out to our cars. And he and I parked next to each other in the back of the lot. And he says, I got to talk to you. Somebody walked in this evening with a check for $50,000. He said, did you make a phone call? I said, I'm pretty sure I don't know how to make a $50,000 phone call. Uh, I like making $5,000 phone calls. I don't really know about the $50,000. And he said, well, I'm not allowed to tell you who did it. They, they know you, but um, I don't know that I'm ever going to get used to this. It was easier at Calvary. We counted the Sunday, Saturday night Sunday tithe money. I don't know how it works here. And I said, Don, you're going to have to learn I don't either. I have no clue. I too, I agree. I wish he would just give us a gazillion dollar endowment. I'm pretty sure he never will because we won't be dependent on him. With an endowment, we're dependent on the endowment. Let's be dependent on the endower. Yeah, a fear of circumstances. It's the verse in, in, uh, in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek really means tamed. It's a word picture of strength, tamed. It's a word, literally a word picture of a stallion, of a horse that's been broken and does what its master tells him to do. Blessed are the tamed who hand the reins to God. Use me, Lord. Yeah, number six. We have to yield control and trust God for everything and through everything. For everything and through everything. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not trust in your own ideas with all your heart, not trust in your own plans with all your heart, not trust in your own initiative with all your heart. Trust in the Lord in his love and his plans and his ability and his power. That's what we're called to do. Just trust him. And that takes a lot of discipline, especially if you're going through a difficult season. He's got it. He's got it. He's absolutely got it, and he loves you like you're his only child. Don't know how that works? He loves you. Number seven on your outline. Regardless of how life looks right this minute, choose to know that God is your advocate. Choose to know. And if creator God is your advocate and says, hey, when you talk to me, when you pray, pray like this, our Father, I want you to know I'm your Abba, but I want you to know that means I didn't say when you pray, pray like this, my Father who art in heaven, our Father. You got brothers. Check into their lives. Come alongside them. Bless them.